Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 19th day of Yanoar 2023. Appreciate your ears and your time and all sorts of good things. I'm Derek Hunter. I'm your host. I'll be with you for the next I don't know, hour, hour and a half, 27 hours. Who knows how long this thing goes. Once you hit the record button, man, you just gird your loins, cover your groin, and hope for the best. Bite your bottom lip and hope for the best. It's like sex for Bill Clinton. Not really, because nobody's getting screwed, except for maybe liberals. Anyway, appreciate you listening. Don't forget about the Weekend Effing Review. It's going to be a good one this week. I can already feel it brewing in my loins. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com. You can enter to win the book drawings and contests and everything. Sign up at both. Uh, Every penny goes towards paying for, I need a new computer soon, and medical bills for two snot rockets and one wife who just keep they all three of them just keep getting sick god i've been lucky so far knock on wood but that's because i bathed myself in purell anyway there is a lot to get to so there's not going to be a lot of rigmarole build up as a matter of fact let's just get on with the show there is a lot going on in the world like i say as you know we get maryland's getting ready it's so historic i follow westmore on twitter only because I have to. I really don't have to, but only because I just want to know what's going on. And um, every other tweet is like, uh, this is so historic. I know I'm being, I know I'm historic. I know my cabinet is historic. I know this is historic. Like, God, you're an awful person. In the absence of accomplishments, in the absence of um, knowledge, in the absence of anything substantive, you just default back to, hey, what about skin color there? Hey, look, have you noticed my skin color? Yeah, I did. That's that's what you ran on. Everything else is uh, not worth celebrating, and neither is that. So what are you going to do as governor? I'm going to be historic and diverse. Oh, i got a diverse cabinet. All these Democrats across the country. We have a cabinet that looks like the. You look at his cabinet. I've, I live in Maryland. Maryland's a lot more diverse than his cabinet. Not only in in skin color, but certainly when it comes to thinking. So I'll get into that. But uh, yeah, congratulations. But I want to start off by uh, getting back into the scandal that surprisingly, surprisingly, the media is covering fairly accurately. Now, this has not happened very often. When there is a Democrat president, and I would say and warn against getting super excited about the prospect of it continuing indefinitely. If you remember back in 1998, when the Bill Clinton-Monica Lewinsky affair was being investigated at the start, there was all sorts of skepticism about what was being said from the president in the White House. Remember, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never asked anybody to lie. Never. Not a single time. Ah, it's a distraction. I got to get back to work for the American people. Oh, pretty unequivocal there. And then eight months later, you find out he is full of crap. He was lying. But only after they found DNA evidence that could not have gotten there any other way. Not accidentally. You don't walk down a hallway and bump into somebody and um, 
put this kind of DNA on their dress. I'm trying to think of a family-friendly way to put it, but there you go. Then and only then did Democrats bother to tell the truth. But by then, and at that point in particular, but by then the shift had already started. The journalists at the beginning were going, my God, the President of the United States had an affair with an intern. Had an affair with an intern at a time when they were talking about sexual harassment and the power dynamics and blah, 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 blah. And, oh, look at this, the President of the United States and an intern. There's no denying that isn't, you know, the CEO of a company and a senior executive vice president or even a vice president or a junior vice president or some kind of executive in a different department. No, it was the president of the United States and an intern. That's about as far of a gap in power as you can possibly get. And so what happened? The media was asking questions. The media was digging and doing its duty. And then at some point along the way, a funny thing happened. The longer it dragged out, and this is the Clinton model, this is what I suspect will happen with the Biden White House. The longer this dragged out, the more they were able, now it won't have to drag out as long. What's going on now won't have to drag out as long as, as Clinton because the, uh, the twist, the manipulation was huge in Clinton. They first had to take Monica Lewinsky from being an intern to being a government employee. See, it started when she was an intern. Then they gave her a job in the Pentagon, gave her a whole, God, you know, all sorts of things. Let's just say all sorts of things were, were thrown at Monica. Not all of them ended up on her dress. Some of them ended up in her bank account. And she got good jobs that she's, realistically wasn't qualified for but she got them she got those jobs she's working over in the pentagon she went from being an intern to being a government employee the intern part because this started remember during the government shutdown employees of the federal government were not allowed were expressly forbidden from going to work during the government shutdown the White House was therefore overly dependent upon, you know, crucial personnel, whatever they called, the uh, necessary personnel, and interns, because interns weren't paid. So you can't force government employees, unless they are essential, to work without pay, even though they're all going to get back pay. You can't, by law, do that. So during the government shutdown... All the White House employees that were deemed non-essential by the Office of Personnel Management were forced, they got some time, stayed home. Whereas the essential employees, chief of staff, et cetera, et cetera, and the unpaid workers, interns, went into work. That's when Bill and Monica started. She was an intern. By the time, I don't know, month three came along, maybe even month two, the fact that Monica was an intern when the affair started had gone the way of the dodo, and she was just a government employee. Well, I don't know that she ever worked inside the White House as a government employee. Maybe she did very briefly, but people noticed the googly eyes and the giggling and, and her, some low, even if she was an employee she was extremely low level and somebody at an extremely low level 
hanging out with the President of the United States is going to strike even the most blind observer as a bit odd. And so they got rid of her in short order. They got her a good job over at the Pentagon. That's when our story picks up, when they say, oh, no, she wasn't an intern. She was an employee. They were lying. And then after that, the story became, this is a private matter. This is a private matter. This is just about sex. It wasn't about sex. It was about perjury and obstruction of justice. Perjury and obstruction of justice. Bill Clinton was being sued by Paula Jones in a, over a sexual harassment claim on a, under a statute that Bill Clinton himself had signed into law. So he'd violated his own law. And he was trying to obstruct, he did obstruct justice. He got Monica Lewinsky to submit a false affidavit, commit perjury. No affair, nothing. There's nothing going on. He suborned perjury. He committed perjury himself. And by the time it all ended, it was from a, you know an outraged press going, my God, can you believe the President of the United States was having sex with an intern and then got her to lie and committed perjury and blah, blah, blah. This is definitely problematic. There was speculation he was going to resign or Democrats were going to go up to the White House and tell him he's got to resign. He's lost the support. He'll be impeached. To the end, where not a single Democrat said, eh, I don't think he did anything wrong. Not a single Democrat would say he did anything wrong. Joe Biden in his theft and concealment of classified documents make no mistake theft and concealment he had no right to take those documents from the white house and uh, mishandling of those documents over the ensuing six years exposing them to god knows what and god knows who is right now something that the media cares about not because they smell a story, but because they honestly believed that the White House was being honest with them. It's like finding out you're not really friends with somebody you thought was a friend. Like, wait a second, I thought, you, I thought we were friends. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you, you mean you, you asked out the girl that I liked? I thought we were friends. No, we're not. We're drinking buddies. We're not friends. It's different. Look, I, you saw her first, but you took too long. I'm, I asked her out. Tough tough on you. That sort of thing. Like, what is going on? You're supposed to be telling us the truth. And that's kind of the gist of the outrage from the media. So enjoy it while you can, because it is about, ah, they were lying to us. And most of the questions are, this, what you're telling us now, and what we know now does not jibe with what you told us last week. I have some audio, we'll get to it, of, of, Reporters asking whether or not Karine Jean-Pierre is sorry for having lied to the White House press corps. They're not really digging for new information if you pay attention to the questions. It is all about, hey, in the past, you you told us this. Now, some, some reporters are, not all of them. I can't do, say all of them are, are horrible. But let's start off with uh, ABC News' C- uh, Cecilia Vega. The gist of her question is, because Karine Jean-Pierre, so historic. Oh, my God, she's so historic. Karine Jean-Pierre on Friday came out to the White House briefing room and said that, well, we've found everything. We're all done. It's all, we're being transparent. She lied because over the weekend they found more documents. And who knows when they'll find more documents. And also, 
You notice there's no question about how can we trust since you've got all lawyers involved uh, that are all loyal to Joe Biden. How do we trust that they haven't destroyed documents, right? And how do we trust that in the last six years, documents haven't been destroyed or stolen? We have no log of what documents Joe took, what Joe documents Joe stole. So we're just supposed to take the word of a guy and a team whose word has turned out to be garbage. Just a thought. But listen to Celia Vega. She, she wants to know whether or not uh, Karen Jean-Pierre was, was lying on Friday. This is more a uh, just confess, tell us you did us wrong thing. The tone of yesterday's press conference, which was, you know, billed as, oh, my God, it was a hostile press. It's more a, a spurned press, a spurned lover press going, why did you lie to me to their lover? Uh, on Friday, you stood here, though, and were asked about this documents issued by our counsel 18 times. At that point, the president's lawyers had found these five additional pages of classified documents. So did you not know on Friday that those documents had been found when you were at the podium? Or are you being directed by someone to not be forthcoming on this issue? I'm, I have been forthcoming from this podium. What I uh, said yes to was what the statement at the time that we all had. Right, you all had the statement, uh, and I was repeating what the what the uh, council was sharing at that time. All right, were you, were you forthcoming? Were you not being forthcoming? Are you being forthcoming now? How about the substance of it? I get it. You're. When did you start having an affair? When did it start? Okay, you're, you're missing the forest for the trees. This isn't your divorce. This is your job. But they're acting as though they are disappointed. Celia Vega wasn't done. She circled back because this is the issue. This is what the press cares about. And so we had that statement, so we knew what was in it. But you also exactly. knew. Did you not know that? The I'm telling you, I just answered the question. I just said that I was repeating what the information that we had at that time, right? That you all had. I was confirming from what the special counsel had provided to all of you, and that we knew as well from here. So just to be very, very clear, uh, and look. I've also been very clear about being prudent from here. I was also being very clear about being consistent from here uh, and not going uh, beyond uh, what is currently happening, right? And again, this is an ongoing, I also said this was an ongoing uh, review that was happening with the Department of Justice and as we know with the special counsel, I've been very consistent about that as well. Uh, and that's one of the reasons, your question to me is one of the reasons why I'm, I, we are being very, very careful and very mindful and to not interfere here uh, and to make sure to make sure that the Department of Justice has their independence. Your question actually proves that. And that's why we're going to continue uh, to refer you to Department of Justice and refer you to the special counsel or my colleagues. It's all about process. When did you were you wait, wait, were you mean you weren't honest with us? You didn't tell us everything. When did you know that you weren't telling us the truth? Hey, how about you focus on the lie itself and not the circumstances under which it was told or the timing under which it was told? How about you focus on the lie itself? How about you drill down on the lie? And here's another idea for you folks in the, uh, the press there in Washington, D.C. You used to have these things called sources, you know, people you knew in various departments that during the Trump administration, you got all these, oh, anonymous source tells me this. Anonymous source tells me that, that Donald Trump is pushing Melania down every flight of stairs in the White House. Oh, we'll just run with him. Just one guy? Yeah. 
Uh, fair enough. That's good enough. How about you contact some anonymous sources and ask them for information on this story, you know, particularly in the Justice Department? There are a lot of career people in the Justice Department. There has to be somebody in there who isn't a left-wing Democrat activist hack with a government job who you could ask to maybe try to get to the bottom of this or at least get uh, a direction, get some sort of insights, information Instead of just sitting there going, did you, did you, did you mean to lie to us? Did you lie? What? Why were you so mean? Why didn't you tell us the truth then? Um, probably the same reason she's not telling you the truth now, and therefore the reason she's never really told you the truth. Once you go down that rabbit hole, wait, she, she's never told us the truth. Have you uh, not been paying attention? Welcome to the red pill. Well, they'll wake up from it, but they're they're confused by the concept right now. So as we're dealing with our uh, vice president and his historic press secretary who just simply cannot give a straight answer, keep in mind that, as we were saying, the press corps is less interested in getting to the truth than they are in being outraged at the fact that they have been lied to. They're on the it's they're on their team, you know, they're on the team. They want to be a part. They're perfectly willing to be a part of the cover up. That's the funny thing about is Democrats lying to the Democrat administration, lying to the Democrat press. Like, why are you lying to us? We'd help you. We're we're down with the cause. Nobody's outraged. We want to help. But we're mad that you're lying to us because then we look bad. Because them lying to you, lying to them, just serves as a reminder to people that journalists aren't really doing their jobs. Because if they'd had sources, if they'd cultivated sources like they should have, like they used to, like it should be a requirement of their job to do, that they would have discovered this on their own, that they would have discovered more information than this on their own. There would have been all sorts of information out there. But there isn't. So why? Why did they? They're, they're embarrassed. But like I say, it wasn't all. Just why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell us? We wanted to be a part of it. CBS Radio employs a guy named Steve Portnoy. Not CBS Television. They're different entities. CBS Television. Although I will say that all of the uh, press asked decent questions at the press briefing. Decent questions. Most of them did focus on what I was talking about, but they did ask decent questions. And even those are decent questions because it it exposes Karine Jean-Pierre as the sort of aimless parrot that she is. Just goes out there and regurgitates that Polly wants a cracker thing. Steve Portnoy asks a better question, a better class of question. Maybe it's just because radio people are better than television people. (laughs) he's asking you know whether or not uh, joe biden's lawyers did the right thing it's very interesting the timeline of these things and the actions of the biden team why you know i still haven't seen a good question asked or a uh, a good answer demanded why it is that Joe Biden would pay high-priced personal lawyers to clean his office, to pack up his office. And why is he packing up his office now? We're two years into the administration. Why is he packing up his office now? 
seems a bit odd. I also haven't seen much interest in the fact that communist China was paying for his office to begin with, but that's beside the point in that they'd laundered a million dollars into his personal bank account. Again, another thing that at least to this point, the media isn't particularly interested. Maybe someday. A boy can dream, can't we? But listen to uh, Steve Portnoy's questions uh, asked about whether or not the lawyers for the president actually did the right thing. I just want to ask you about something you said last week. Last week you were pretty insistent that you believe that the president's attorneys did the right thing. Do you still believe that? Yes, they did the right thing when it comes to making sure that when the documents were found, uh, they... um, handed it over to the archivist and it was handed over to Department of Justice. But again, Steve, I'm going to be very prudent here. I am going to be very consistent. It is an ongoing legal process. Not going to say more. Not going to say more. It's an ongoing legal process. I'm going to be very prudent. Well, Steve Portnoy, to his credit, wasn't going to let it go at that because she really, really didn't address the problem. He didn't address the question. He wasn't very specific about the question, which is, as uh, I would su- suspect, that's more baiting the hook. Now he's got the hook in her mouth. The reason I ask is, is that what we now know, the, the president's counsel statement, the president's personal lawyer statement, shed a bit more light on this, but they raised more questions. Uh, namely, the first call that the president's personal attorneys made on November 2nd was not to the FBI that they had found what we now know were top secret documents out in the open. The first call was to officials here at this White House in the West Wing. How is that the right thing? Is that the right thing when you see some, if you're a lawyer and you're, you don't have a security clearance and you see a classified document, shouldn't you call the Justice Department's National Security Office right away? Again, I'm going to refer you to the White House Counsel's Office. That is something for them to answer. That is a very specific question uh, that they should answer that they will engage you with, engage with on you on this, just like my colleague did for almost an hour and had this conversation with all of you. <laughs> just a, well, no, you're going to have to ask somebody else. That you be a, that's a very specific question that the she's trying to say that the White House Counsel's Office had engaged with them for an hour. They had an uh, a background briefing. A background briefing means. They're going to attempt to spin you, but you can't report what was said. That's what a background briefing is. We're going to give you a talk on background so that you have the most current information possible, but you can't quote anything we say. And so don't hold it against us if it turns out to be BS. That's what essentially a background briefing is. And they did it for a half an hour, not an hour, something that many reporters yesterday pointed out to Corinne Jean-Pierre, so historic. And Corinne Jean-Pierre kept lying about it. Oh, no, I did it for an hour. No, no, no. You did it not for an hour. And the questions, as they were, were um, pre-screened. And there were no follow-up questions allowed. One of the interesting things about what's going on at the White House briefing is up until the end of last week, Karine Jean-Pierre was fairly good about calling on Peter Ducey, calling on whoever the reporter is covering the White House from Fox. Then, suddenly, as this story got more and more information kept coming out about it, that stopped. That stopped. They no longer called. uh, They have not called on Fox News for some time. Interesting. Interesting. But, you know, somebody like Steve Portnoy is up there asking pretty damn good questions. So you 
you don't feel the loss so acutely. And Steve Portnoy continued. Uh, yeah. But let me let me widen now. Why is it the matter of this White House counsel deal with documents from two administrations ago? These are we're not talking about presidential records from this White House. Why is this White House counsel involved in this matter at all? Again, this is something for the White House counsel uh, to address. I am not going to address that from here. I will refer you to them, and I will refer you to the special counsel and anything that's that is specific to this particular issue. Now, why is the White House counsel involved in this? That's a very, very important and interesting question. The White House counsel, if the White House is saying, we're not going to interfere with this, we're backing away, we're going to let the Justice Department do whatever it is the Justice Department seems to think it needs to do, well then having the White House counsel involved would seemingly be the opposite of that. The way, If the White House is having nothing to do with this, then the White House counsel would have nothing to do with this. If the White House is saying, we're doing a hands-off approach to this, we want nothing to do with it, we don't want any problems, no problems at all, we are going to let the justice run its course, then you should, I don't know, let justice run its course. Instead, you are engaging in the White House Counsel's Office to at least spin the press, to spin the public through the press into believing something that is not true. How are we to know and why would we believe that the press being spun by publicly by the uh, White House Counsel wouldn't also be spinning the Justice Department? The White House Counsel deals with the Justice Department all the time all the time, having the White House Counsel's Office involved so heavily in this thing. Basically, there's no way humanly possible that they wouldn't also be talking about it, at least talking about it behind the scenes. There's just no way humanly possible it wouldn't come up. It wouldn't be an issue. Yet we're supposed to believe these people? Anybody believe these people anymore? Then comes NBC News, and you think, well, NBC News is going to be the tip of the spear, the shield, the, uh, the force field around Joe Biden. Well, not yesterday, anyway. It'll be interesting to see if Peter Alexander is back at the White House in the coming days because of this exchange. But the White House issued a statement. Now, they're saying, you know, this is very serious. We take this very serious. They don't know how to use you know, language properly. We take this very serious. It's supposed to be seriously, but whatever. We take this very serious. And the Republicans, those damned Republicans are uh, feigning outrage and trying to politicize this. The White House released a statement that under normal circumstances would have had the, uh, the stamp of approval from our liberal media friends. But it is right at a time when the White House has been lying to the press as well. And so they don't. And Peter Alexander asks what is... It's sad that this is a good question because it's an obvious question. But he at least asks it. And i got to give him credit for that because I imagine back at work, back at the office, he's going to catch hell or at least could catch hell over being a tool, you might as well go work for Fox News. But uh, listen to him. 
The White House says Republicans are faking outrage on this issue. Why shouldn't Americans be outraged about classified documents being found in a garage? Look, and I think I've been very clear about this. We have answered questions on this at this podium. You've heard, as Phil was saying twice from the president, talk about this. He said that he didn't know. Right? He said that he was surprised, and he said that he takes classified information and documents very, very seriously. We heard directly from the president on this issue. Now, anything else, anything beyond that, uh, we're just not going to talk about. There's an investigation going on. There's a legal process here, as we've been very, very clear about. Uh, I will let the White House counsel uh, talk about any specific details uh, about that. Uh, but we're going to be prudent here and make sure that we are not uh, interfering in this process. I love that. No, no, no. You, you accuse the Republicans of faking outrage over this. But why shouldn't people be outraged? Well, you see, there's this, that, and the other thing, and uh, 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 she doesn't have an answer. They clearly didn't plan on the, There was nothing in her little binder about this. So then Peter Alexander, to his credit, circles back. And this is when she... You want to talk about uh, apropos of nothing, speaking of non sequiturs and all of that. Listen to this panicked answer. I guess that's why I'm asking, though, because you've said that you don't want to interfere here and be prudent about the process. But the White House did post a statement saying that Republicans are faking outrage. So to that point, why, why shouldn't Americans be upset about documents found in a garage? And that's for uh, that's for the American people to decide. Right. That is for, for you all are, I'm sure, going to talk to many folks out there. Uh, and have that this conversation. But what we do know, right, what we do know from polling that we have seen over and over again, from your coverage, uh, from what we hear, what the president goes out and talk to the, talks to the American people, they also care about the economy, right? They also care about what is the president doing to lower costs, which is why he took hysteric, historic action uh, in making sure that gas prices went down at the gas pump. And we saw that ha happen by more than a buck 70 cents. And that's the work that the president's going to focus on. You think about the Inflation Reduction Act. That's going to lower lower prescription drug costs, uh, lower uh, medical costs, right? When you think about that, lower energy costs. So that's going to be our focus here. We know that's what the American people truly care about as well, and it is very important for them uh, that we do that work. <laughs> oh, but they want to talk about inflation, and oh, uh, Peter, we've got inflation over. Would uh, people care about the economy? People can care about the economy and be outraged at the president of the United States stole classified material and then mishandled it wildly, putting national security at risk, while feigning outrage that the former president, who actually did have the authority to handle documents that were classified in any manner he saw fit. Uh, was uh, he mishandled it? Can you believe it? Oh, why should the American people not be outraged? Well, because we say the economy's going. The gas is down a buck seventy. Oh, all right, <laughs> screw it. They, the the uh, gas prices are down. So let's get uh, Julius and uh, Ethel Rosenberg off of death row. Gas prices are down. I don't think that's how it works. I could be wrong about that, but I, I don't believe that's how it works. It's how they want it to work, but that's not how it works. I want to shift gears just because this story I, I saw this morning, and it's a demonstration of when, because uh, we're living here in Maryland, 
Democrats are going to have absolute power. They sort of had absolute power before, but now they're going to have real absolute power. And you look at where Democrats have a little bit of power. And they always say, and this is what the lying, it's the lying and the hypocrisy that bothers me. When you see reporters, Republicans have moved so far to the right, so far to the right. Oh, my God, they're going to put Marjorie Taylor Greene on a committee. Oh, you mean they're going to put Marjorie? Okay, on the Foreign Relations Committee, you had a uh, terrorist sympathizing anti-Semite named Ilhan Omar. But we're going to put Marjorie Taylor Greene on a committee after you Democrats stripped her of all her committee assignments because you don't like what she has to say. You think, oh, she's crazy. And does she have, she said some things that are crazy? Yeah, so what? So has Sheila Jackson Lee. So has uh, Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters publicly advocated for getting in the face of any Republican, anybody in the Trump administration, and telling them they're not welcome in society. Go ahead, yell at him, scream at him. She, she actively wanted that. She called for that. She faced no consequences from her fellow traveler communists in the Democrat Party. So uh, you now that uh, the shoe is on the other foot, the left is outraged. Oh, my goodness. They're putting Marjorie Taylor Greene on. They're putting George Santos on a, a committee. Well, he's is elected. You want to get him, uh, you want to convict him of something, that's fine. You want to accuse him of something and expect that to be enough, that's not fine. I thought you were all in favor of justice. You can think the guy's a jerk and a liar and a fraud, but unless you committed a crime, prove he committed a crime. We know he lied, all right? Lying, if lying were a uh, disqualifier for office, Joe Biden wouldn't be in office. In fact, dare I say, none of these people in Washington would be in office. <laughs> they, on the, the BS meter, they've, they've all set off the BS detector at some point. They have all lied or not living up to the things that they've said, whatever, not lived up to it. It doesn't matter. That is not a crime. It should be grounds for getting your ass voted out of office, but it is not a crime. So you see these Democrats and you hear more about this guy from New York that you never heard of before who doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. What are you hearing about George Santos? George Santos, oh my God. Can you believe this is an outrage? Why? Why? He's a liar. Okay, fine. Beat him next time. He was elected. But they don't want to do that. They need a distraction from what Democrats are facing right now, what Joe Biden is doing. And that's why you'll see more on MSNBC about this backbench congressman or Eric Swalwell whining about being kicked off the Intel Committee because he was, I was too effective than you will over the fact that he was you know, sleeping with a Chinese spy called Fang Fang. In fact, this guy named Steve Benin or Benin, I don't know how you pronounce it, B-E-N-E-N. He's producer on the Rachel Maddow show, which means he works one day a week. And he's also editor of the Maddow blog. (laughs) He's out on social media today uh, talking about how Kevin McCarthy has kicked Eric Swalwell off of the committee. He says, one, an FBI official is on record saying Rep Swalwell is under no suspicion of wrongdoing. And two, there's something amazing about watching McCarthy engage in actual McCarthyism. Now, these people are uh, incredibly stupid. 
and they think that their audience is as dumb as they are, and they might be right on that one. But imagine being such a complete hack that you can't differentiate between being an active spy, which is not what Eric Swalwell is accused of, and having a close association with one, which is what Eric Swalwell did. Honestly, (laughs) there's a difference. Hey, if you... Eric Swalwell was on the Intelligence Committee, which meant that Democrats chose him after knowing full well he had this uh, close association uh, with a spy for our greatest enemy, honestly, right now. And just as a way to give the finger, I assume, although out and uh, given the, the record of Democrats in California, like, Diane Feinstein, Democrat senator, had a Chinese spy driving her for 20 years, working in her office. She didn't know any better. Maybe Democrats don't know any better. I suspect they do know. They just don't care when it comes to national security. But what they really want to do is put Swallow on the committee so they could go, hey, F you, Republicans. You can see why they don't give a damn about some documents that might damage Americans' national security laying around in a garage were willy-nilly tossed around somebody's house or in an office funded by the Chinese communists. They don't, they don't, they'd rather Republicans lose than America win. And so when Republicans winning and America winning are on the same side, the Democrats will root against it no matter what, doesn't matter. It's a bizarre thing for people in this country to, to realize and that's what the people and that's what the Democratic Party has become. They always say, well, Republicans have moved so far to the right. Look at they've put Marjorie Taylor Greene on a committee. Can you believe that? Well, you put Ilhan Omar on a committee. You put Eric Swalwell on a committee. You've got Rashida Tlaib in good standing still as a member of the House of Representatives. Nobody, you know, if Ilhan Omar is the gold medalist in hating Jews in the Progressive Caucus, and it's a tough race. It's a photo finish with Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib is uh, more interested in being a representative of the Palestinians than she is people of Michigan's 12th district. She tweeted this morning or yesterday, I'm outraged that the State Department is moving forward with plans to build the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem on land stolen from Palestinians. By doing so, the U.S. is complicit in the illegal confiscation of Palestinian property. The president should revise this Trump-era policy immediately. She hates Jews. She hates herself, some Jews. Will she face any discipline from Democrats? No, she won't. It will just be, well, Republicans have moved so far to the right in their support of Israel. Now, the Republican support of Israel has been pretty unequivocal. As it should be. It's the only free country in the area. Some are making, other countries are making improvements, but that's the only free country in the area. And, uh, you know, the only democracy for, for chanting this is what democracy looks like. It's weird how Rashida Tlaib takes the side of the totalitarian terrorist state over the democracy. Just, just an observation. So you sit there and you go, well, maybe Democrats have moved a little bit further to the left. And then we, for another example, getting it back to what I was talking about this story. We look across the river here from Maryland, across the Potomac, to Virginia. 
WMAL reports a Democrat-led Virginia Senate committee has voted down a bill that would have allowed prosecutors to charge drug dealers with second-degree murder if a user dies of an overdose. Wait, you can you can sell somebody poison, and then if they use that poison, you're not responsible for them using that poison? Now, keep in mind, this is Democrats doing this. This is how far Democrats have gone down the, look, people should be able to do whatever they want, except, you know, exercise their Second Amendment rights, exercise their First Amendment rights as far as religion goes, or as far as speech goes, if it's speech we don't like. Those sorts of things they shouldn't be allowed to do. But people should, in other words, be able to do and exercise whatever they want. If they want to do drugs, do it. You can't argue this and say you have a problem with the opioid crisis simultaneously. You simply cannot. Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin had thrown his support behind such a measure, highlighting it in a speech last week. The Senate Judiciary Committee voted the measure down 8-7, to seven, by an 8-7 to seven vote. The Richmond Times-Dispatch reported after hearing from opponents who said it could discourage drug users from calling 911 if they see someone overdosing. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the problem. You sell somebody something laced with fentanyl and they overdose on it. You're the seller. You're the drug dealer. It's not for the junkie who's sharing their stash. It's for the dealer. But they don't care. They don't care about human life. They care about the issue. They want to be able to say, well, we we care. We have compassion for the drug user. But the compassion for the drug user would be to try and get the drug user off drugs, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? And all the hundred thousand people who were killed last year by their drug use, by their they got that from somewhere. There aren't very many drug dealers who aren't aware that they're not selling just straight heroin or straight math or straight blow or whatever. That it's also they're cut with some fentanyl in there. They water the stuff. Oh, you got some cocaine. We're going to stretch this out. We're going to cut it down with baby laxative and baby powder or whatever they use to cut it down. But because that won't get somebody high and then they really will be stuck with a whole bunch of junk if they take a one kilo of pure Coke and turn it into three kilos of junk Coke that nobody can get high off of, they'll sprinkle in some really cheap and easy to get, thanks to our open border and Democrats down there, some fentanyl. So that there's some cocaine in there, but you're really getting, it's so diluted that you're really getting high off the fentanyl. And oh, by the way, we're not dealing with chemists here, so... uh, a lot of people will overdose. This fentanyl doesn't end up in the drug supply by accident. It doesn't end up in the drug supply by accident. Democrats don't care. Now, the irony, I bring this up not because this is particularly outrageous. It's not surprising. It is outrageous, but it's not surprising. I bring this up because I want to juxtapose this with what Democrats are doing across the country and trying to do in Washington, D.C., And what is that? And you hear Joe Biden talk about this all the time. You hear Democratic governors talk about this all the time. They want the power to be able to sue gun manufacturers for gun crimes, for guns that were used in the commission of crimes. Now, the vast majority of guns that are used in the commission of crimes are guns that were obtained illegally. So they're not... You know, even somebody who went through a, a background check, a rigor, although we've seen that where the FBI has dropped the ball. They don't want to be able to sue the FBI. They want to be able to sue gun manufacturers, not because they care about gun manufacturers or not because they even give a damn about the dead people. They want 
to put gun manufacturers out of business is what they want. That's the mechanism by which they, they seek to do it under the name of passion, compassion. They just want to do the word looking out for the people, but they're not. They're trying to advance a political agenda they know is unconstitutional. They can't just ban guns. So they want to put them out of business. Let people sue. Right now they have immunity. Well, it's weird. How is it that somebody can sell somebody poison and then that person is poisoned to death by it and that person not be responsible at all? But somebody sells someone a legal product and based on how the person who purchased it used it, the manufacturer is somehow responsible for it. Is the automobile company responsible for the drunk driver? Are they? We're not there yet, but trust me, if Democrats get their way on guns, it's only a matter of time. They try to do this and other things, and they will get to the car because they hate the car. They'll do it with gas-powered cars. They will mandate that in, say, electric vehicles. Electric vehicles, they'll be self-driving, so it'll be less of an issue. But in order to start them, you'll have to put in a breathalyzer in there. Why? Because, well, somebody could drunk drive. Well, to purchase a gun. We don't want to get rid of guns. We don't want to ban guns. No, all you want to do is make it nearly impossible to manufacture them, make it nearly impossible to sell them. You don't want to ban them because you can't ban them, but you can use the regulatory and tax powers of the federal government to put them out of business. But I would say that more people are concerned about drug overdoses more people die of drug overdoses thanks to Joe Biden's open border than through gun crimes. Democrats don't care. It's not. It should be. If you, if you care about human life, it should be a numbers game. It should be that simple. You go for the, the biggest cause first, right? You take the biggest bite first. Well, the biggest bite would be opioid deaths, Right? That's not what they're going for. They're, in fact, they're making them a protected class. It's people who exercise their Second Amendment rights because Democrats don't care about individuals. It's just like the Black Lives Matter movement. Black Lives Matter. All right, well, let's talk about all the uh, hundreds and hundreds of murders in Chicago, Detroit, Baltimore, St. Louis, Philadelphia. No, 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 not those. The seven people who died fighting police. Those are the lives that matter. Okay, so 2,000 versus seven. You're, you're obsessed with the seven. You don't even mention the, the thousands? That's a bit weird, don't you think? Maybe you shouldn't call yourself Black Lives Matter if you don't actually care about black lives. No, 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 no. We've already got our T-shirts down there and uh, the patent and the copyrights filed with the Copyright Office, blah, blah, blah. Democrats are not interested they don't even care. They, it's not even that they're not interested. They tell you they care about something. It is just the opposite. It is the exact opposite. Watch what they do. Don't give a damn what they say. I want to turn uh, attention locally here to the outgoing governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan. His legacy will, it, it's bizarre. He was making, his, today's his last day in office. He'll be missed by somebody, probably. Uh, probably somebody over in South Korea who he, you know, paid a bunch of money for a bunch of COVID tests that didn't work. 
it will definitely be missed by them. I don't know that we've ever gotten a full accounting for that mistake, but whatever. He doesn't talk about it anymore for obvious reasons. But he leaves office wildly popular. A Republican governor in a deep, deep blue state. Now, he's using that as some sort of bizarre justification for why he should at least consider running for president in 2024. Why he's like, oh my goodness, I should be, I'm the people's choice. The people love me. They love him in Maryland here because he never, he's not a conservative. Oh, he paid some lip service to conservative ideals in his campaigns, but he never really pushed all that hard for them. And he never really pushed all that hard for, he was... Mostly a judge for governor. He was a judge of fellow Republicans, deeming most unworthy of being in his favor. It's realistically what I view as being Larry Hogan's legacy, is he leaves office with a truckload of political capital that turns to a pumpkin the second he leaves office. It means nothing. You you amassed all this political capital. You're the most popular governor in the country. What'd you do with that? I went on CNN and talked about how he's the most popular governor in the country. I mean, what a, what more could anybody possibly do with that? Well, I don't know. You could risk some things, risk some of that political capital, stick your neck out and fight actively and openly and use that to put pressure on Democrats to achieve, I don't know, something you believe in. But I'm not sure Larry Hogan actually believes in anything, but... Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens next for him. In his farewell tour, it's weird, he won't go on any conservative, he won't talk to anybody local conservative. They ignore that now, and he's only going to get worse because Larry Hogan doesn't like to be questioned. He believes his own press. And literally in this clip where he attacks Ron DeSantis, a guy who won overwhelmingly, in a state where there was money after money in the establishment and everybody in the world going after trying to get Ron DeSantis' scalp. Ron DeSantis kicked Charlie Crist's ass. There's no other way to put it. He kicked Charlie Crist's ass in the last election. And this blob of a joke of a governor of Maryland tries to say that, uh, well, he's, he's not... Unfortunately, he's not doing a very good job down there because he's not popular enough. He's not in the pantheon of popularity of governors across the country. Ron DeSantis is in the middle. Ron DeSantis has a lot of people who love him. Ron DeSantis has a lot of people who hate him. Why? Because Ron DeSantis stands for something, believes in things, and advocates for those things. Larry Hogan doesn't stand for anything except Larry Hogan. So when you don't really try to do anything to upset the liberal order, guess what? Liberals love you. When you're an MSNBC Republican, they'll love you. Listen to this clip and try not to vomit. Governor Ron DeSantis is often cited by conservative Republicans as somebody they might want to see run for president. You've called him an important voice, one of the important voices for the party. Uh, do you think he would be good at what you're talking about in terms of reaching out to people in the middle? Well, he hasn't done it so far. I mean, he's done a really good job of uh, getting on Fox News and he's capturing a lot of attention, but he certainly hasn't done it the way Charlie Baker and Phil Scott and I have. I, 
I mean, I, I, you know, we, we're a, consistently the most uh, highest job approval in the country, and I think DeSantis is down around 30th place among governors. Is that because he's too focused on the base, too focused on red meat issues? Well, I just think that he, he is focused on the base, and he's, he's doing pretty well with the base. But uh, he's going to have to figure out a way, if he, if he wants to have a, a political future beyond Florida, to appeal to a broader audience. Yeah, no, you got to follow... You got to follow the Larry Hogan model. Stop trying to do stuff. Stop doing things that actually, you know, curry favor with people. Don't do the things you campaign on and uh, just sit there and talk about how wildly popular you are. By the way, just for comparison for this little slug, this outgoing slug there in Annapolis, Larry Hogan his last re-election bid was in 2018. He had a rather pathetic candidate against him in Ben Jealous. Larry Hogan garnered 55.4% of the vote, which is weird because Larry Hogan's approval rating is in the high 60s, low 70s most time. What happened to all those people who loved you? Larry, what happened to him? Whereas in a much more contentious election, which garnered national support and a ton of money. Every major media outlet hoping to God that they could destroy Ron DeSantis and a good chunk of the Republican Party, to be honest with you, the activist base and that are really super pro-Trump. They saw the threat coming from Ron DeSantis and they didn't want it. So they're like, you know what? I, I hope the guy wins, but I hope he doesn't win by that much. Because it'll be problematic if he wins by a lot. And nobody thought he was going to win by a whole lot. But he did. Ron DeSantis got 59.4% of the vote to Charlie Crist's 40% of the vote. So if you look at it, the slug in Maryland won by 12 percentage points. And the wildly unpopular, he's the number 30th in popularity. Governor in the country, uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida, won by 20 percentage points. By the way, Larry Hogan managed in his biggest electoral victory ever to pull in 1.275 million votes. Congratulations to you, Larry. That is about a third of what, uh, no, it's actually a quarter of what Ron DeSantis got, actually a little less than a quarter. Ron DeSantis got uh, 4.613 million votes. So you want to talk and lecture about popularity, uh, find a mirror. I, I know you don't want to find a mirror. I didn't want to watch video of you either. But spare me this righteous indignation. If you find one thing I find really particularly annoying, it's not just Larry Hogan, but it, Larry Hogan is personifying it right now. It is these pseudo-conservatives, these people who, the louder you insist that you're conservative, likely the less conservative you actually are. But uh, they, they just live in this world where they decide what is conservative, and they insist, and they won't go anywhere else. Larry Hogan doesn't enter a world where somebody might question him. Larry Hogan doesn't come on uh, a conservative radio show and have a debate or just, no he goes to jake tapper and sits across and has a softball question about uh, you're thinking about running for president 2024 why don't you attack one of the leading front runners why don't you do all right i'll do that he's not as popular 
with his voters as I am with yours. Well, okay, Larry, which is more important in the 2020 prospects for a Republican presidential victory, Maryland or Florida? Because you sure as hell aren't going to carry Maryland for president, even if you are the nominee. You just won't. Ron DeSantis will carry Florida. Florida has exponentially more electoral votes than Maryland does. Which one is more important, Larry? But what drives me most nuts is you look at how these progressive, squishy, centrist at best Republicans are, and they, they're the ones insisting a lot of, oh, I'm, I'm what a real conservative is. I'm what a real conservative is. There's no such correlation on the left. You ever notice that? Have you ever heard MSNBC break out into a debate going, eh, they're not a true progressive. This person's a true pro- I'm the real progressive in the race. No, they all go, I, I'm, we're all progressives here, but I'm historic and I check these boxes. I check this box, that box, and that's their debate. I, you can't call it a debate. That's their discussion. They go, well... I am a woman of color who's uh, non-binary, transgender, and uh, an immigrant. Okay, well, I'm a man, but I'm also a minority, and I am uh, bisexual who uh, grew up poor. All of these things, like, okay, well, what's the, aside from the superficial, what's the difference amongst any of you over there on the left? Like, well, what do you mean, superficial? All of these things we're listing are the most important things in the whole freaking world. No, no, they're not. They're insignificant. But it's always the uh, the sort of pseudo conservative Republicans who are the ones going. I'm more, way more uh, conservative than they are. How? How? Well, I don't know. Joe Walsh, the former congressman, one-term congressman who is now just a rabid Trump hater, was tweeting yesterday about how woke, woke is just being open to new ideas. No, it's not. If you're the keeper of true conservatism, what is conservative? It doesn't mean anything anymore. If this, if you people have your way, sorry, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out the door. I don't, I don't care. Well, you'll be consigning yourself to losing. A, I'd, I'd almost rather lose than than have people like you bastardize the brand. They're just, there's something wrong with these people. And it starts with narcissism. And then it's probably a, a lack of intelligence and lack of self-awareness. When you don't ever go anywhere where anybody disagrees with you, it's the same thing. It's MSNBC syndrome. That's where these people live. As we wrap it up for today, I want to play you just a couple of bits of audio. One is of Dr. Lena Wen. Dr. Lena Wen, she used to be the head of health here in Baltimore, and then she got a job as the head of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, oh, yeah. She, and then she, she made the mistake just months into her tenure as the head of Planned Parenthood to say, we should probably try to do things, more things than just abortions. And the uh, abortion-hungry left said, what? No way. We love abortions. We're not going to do anything else. And so they kicked her out. She didn't even make it a year as head of Planned Parenthood. But as part of what I assume was a negotiated soft landing program to avoid a lawsuit, she likely got a ton of money and then became a CNN contributor. 
because, you know, CNN's in bed with Planned Parenthood. She became a CNN medical contributor. And for the last three years, she has. there's been nobody more fiercely angry and rabidly pro-mask and uh, lockdowns and what have you than Lena Wynn. She's not an infectious disease specialist. It's weird when uh, when somebody who disagreed with the conventional wisdom came out and said, well, is, is, he, a, is he a virologist? No, he's, an, he's a medical. It doesn't matter. And then somebody comes out and agrees with it. You say, is that person a virologist? No, uh, Sanjay Gupta, is. Uh, he, he works on the brain. But still, he's agreeing with the conventional wisdom, so his opinions are valid. Well, now that conventional wisdom has been uh, corrected somewhat by reality and the idea that vaccines don't work, Leanna Wen used to be in favor of mass vaccination, forced vaccination. Now she's not. Uh, she was at least super pro-vaccination. Now she's less so and beginning to question about, hey, maybe this stuff doesn't work, especially on young people. Well, now she's catching up to where we were two and a half years ago and saying, hey, maybe the number of deaths due to COVID was inflated a little bit. Maybe dying with COVID is different than dying from COVID. Like if you are out in California and you have COVID and then it rains a little bit and there's a mudslide and it takes you out and oh, this person obviously died of COVID, counted as a COVID death. Maybe that's not the best way to count these things. Motorcycle accidents of somebody with COVID is not probably a COVID death. And so she went on CNN to talk about this piece she wrote in the Washington Post that would have gotten her excommunicated from the left two years ago, but is now in an attempt to rewrite history by covering it up, by getting on the right side of it. At the end, she's pulling this stuff. Doctor, these are two separate things here, overcounting deaths and overcounting hospitalizations. As you know, I covered this closely being in the Trump White House when this happened. I talked to a lot of health officials about this who are actually kind of skeptical of this claim that you're making. And I think one big thing has been, what is the evidence that these COVID deaths are actually being overcounted? Well, this is the reason why this kind of transparent reporting is going to be so important. There is a way for us to look at death certificates and also to look at the medical records of individuals prior to the death. And I think this needs to be separated into three categories. One is the um, the COVID as a direct contributor, the primary cause of death. The second is, could it be a secondary contributing cause? So, for example, somebody with kidney disease, COVID then pushes them over the edge to have kidney failure. That's COVID as a contributing cause cause. And then the third is COVID as an incidental finding. So somebody coming in with a gunshot wound or a heart attack and they happen to test positive. I think that we need to separate out and look at the percentages of each. That percentage would have shifted over time as well. In the beginning, probably a lot more people were dying with the primary cause of COVID. That probably has shifted. And I think, again, we need to understand this. Another reason to understand this, too, is a lot of people are wondering when they should get a booster next. When do we need a second booster or another booster? And the only way we can know for sure is to understand who is getting severely ill and when. She's very interested suddenly in the correct data. By the way, what a stupid question. What a stupid question. One of the things I discovered is where's the proof? That's your question? That's dumb. That's incredible. How did you get a job in television? But no, she's coming around to, hey, wait a second, maybe we should question the data. That was a hate crime not that long ago, ladies and gentlemen. They're getting spooked as the pandemic moves on to an endemic, to uh, whatever it's going to become next. They're now trying to position themselves, these leftists, as being uh, on the correct side 
but they're going to pretend that they were there all along. Don't let them. Welcome them. Welcome to the party, pal. But don't let them off the hook for what they did in the past. Speaking of what they did in the past, lastly, I want to play you this John Kerry clip from over at the World Economic Forum in Davos. The elites, they talk about a God complex. Listen to this. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever. And, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. Really? We're saving the planet. All these other rubes don't realize it. God complex. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe and sane. See you then. <laughs>